Thanks for listening to Connection Church's podcast. Today's message is a part of our series, Home for the Holidays. For some of us, Christmas time can trigger an array of feelings like nostalgia, joy, and togetherness. And for the rest of us, the holidays can be summed up in two words, dysfunctional family. Whatever side you're on, this series will show you how to become a better husband, wife, mother, or father, and how to build on these relationships by putting Christ in the center. Um, hey, glad you guys are here and uh, thankful um, for you joining us today. We do have um, our service day. It looks like we're taking up an offering. So, um, awesome. So, uh, if you guys want to, hey, let's take up an offering. That's always a good thing to do in church. So, we're going to be taking up an offering right now. So, if you'd like to give. Um, and speaking of giving, uh, this actually does tie in well. Um, because right now we have a bunch of people getting um, some meals ready to go out into the community. Um, and, and it's been really awesome to see uh, your generosity at work um, and the things that you've been a part of doing. And so I want to tell you uh, this, this, eve- this afternoon around lunch today, we're going to be sending out over 950 meals in our community um, to over 170 families uh, who may or may not have had uh, Christmas dinner if you hadn't stepped up and been generous and uh, met this need in our community. So I'm very thankful for that. We're also going to be sending out about 450 Christmas gifts um, to children who otherwise would not have had Christmas gifts. Um, we, we loaded up stuff yesterday, or actually I received the stuff here. Um, we had a bunch of guys who loaded stuff up from our office. Our office literally looked like Santa's workshop this week. It was crazy. We had more bicycles um, than I've ever seen. We had a, a whole trailer full of bicycles that came over last night and um, just going to be an incredible time. And, and the thing about it is the material gift is awesome, but what's going out today is so much greater than that. It's the love of Jesus. It's a tangible representation of who Christ is. And it's what happens when people whose lives have been touched by Jesus begin to give generously out of their heart that's been transformed by Jesus and people begin to experience a tangible representation of the love of God. And so I thank you for that. I thank you for your partnership in that and your partnership with the, in the gospel. And uh, just, just the people who are going to be ministered to today as we go out and we share his love with them. Also, I want to really, really strongly encourage you today. Um, in two days, you're going to have an awesome opportunity to invite somebody to encounter Jesus. And that's going to be at our Christmas Eve service. It's going to be at 530 Tuesday evening, Christmas Eve. We're going to come in and we're going to celebrate Jesus. See, for our church, it's not necessarily just about us coming together um, for a nice Christmas Eve service. This is our opportunity to bring people to church who otherwise might not would go to church. You can get almost anybody to church on Christmas Eve, right? So we want you to bring someone with you. We're going to preach the gospel. We're going to talk about why Jesus was born and who Jesus came to. And we want people to hear about the power of Christ and the power of the gospel. Um, we feel like the Lord has put a great, um, powerful service together in this as we prayed and we sought him. And we want um, you guys to bring people to be a part of that. And so uh, we're going to wind up our, our Home for the Holiday series um, today and on Tuesday. It'll be winding down. But what a better, what better opportunity to invite people to come home to Christ than Christmas Eve. So we're asking you, bring people. We want them to hear the gospel. Let's fill this place up with people who are far from God, um, people who may not be in a relationship with Jesus and give them an opportunity to hear about what he has done 
for them. So today we are going to continue this series, Home for the Holidays, and and we're going to talk about that very thing, inviting people to come home, as well as the invitation that each of you have received to come home, to come to Christ, to come home to God. Um, And we're going to look at that today. We'll actually be looking at out of John chapter 1, beginning in verse 35. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. Um, We're going to be looking at the life of Andrew and how Jesus impacted his life and what Jesus invited him to. And uh, we're going to just celebrate, one, the invitation that Jesus has given us, but two, um, now we've been called to extend that invitation to others. So let's read this text, and then we're going to pray, and we're going to talk about this text, and then we're going to leave out of here, and we're going to go serve people in our community and share the love of Christ with them. So John chapter 1 verse 35 says this, the next day John, this is John the Baptist, was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. So two of John's disciples are standing there. He hears John proclaim, this is the Lamb of God. In another place, John says, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John is literally inviting them to follow someone else, right? He's inviting two of his followers to follow Jesus. And so he says, behold, the Lamb of God. And and then the two disciples, two of them who were with him, turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? That seems rude, doesn't it? Like, what do you want? Yeah. They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? We want to come play Xbox with you. No, it doesn't say that. It says, where are you staying? Verse 39 says, come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was about the 10th hour. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You'll be called Cephas, which means, which when translated is Peter. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word and its power, Lord. God, have your way in our hearts today, God. I pray we would open our hearts and our minds to receive what you want to sow in us today, God. Encourage us, challenge us to go and be your people in this community. Encourage and challenge us, God, to go and to share your light with the world. God, encourage us today. Draw us close to you that we would be worshipers of you and that your spirit would rule and reign in our lives. We give you thanks and we give you praise for who you are, what you do, God, and the way you've done it through your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many of you remember as a child, maybe there was something that you wanted to do. Maybe it was spend the night with a friend. Maybe it was go on a trip with someone and and you couldn't um, get an invite. You ever remember that happening? Like they just wouldn't invite you, right? They were going somewhere to do something and and you're like, please, please invite me. And they never did. And um, I remember when I was probably about seven or eight years old, this used to happen all the time because I always wanted to invite myself over to friends' houses and stuff. And there was a particular thing that I always wanted to invite myself to. My mom would never let me invite myself. And it was when my, my neighbor across the street from our house, his grandson would be over and he would be riding his grandson around in the front yard on his moped. And they never would invite me over to ride the moped. And it used to frustrate me to no end. Now, when I was 16, like I didn't want to ride the moped, but when I was seven, it was like, I want to ride the moped, right? 
And, and so I would be like, mom, let me just go and ask him. Can, can I just walk over? Let me go. And she's like, no, you can't invite yourself. How many of you have ever heard that as a child? Did that not frustrate you and anger you as a child? Because you're like, I see what I want to do. I see who's doing it. Let me go with them, right? They're going on vacation. Surely if I ask them, they'll let me go. And my mom would always say, no, you cannot invite yourself. And it used to frustrate me so bad. It used to make me so angry because I just wanted to go with them, right? And so I couldn't invite myself. And I believe the the man's name was Mr. Almond, right? That was his name. And he never invited me to ride the moped. I would go and I would sit in my driveway and and I would, I would literally just sit there with the biggest pouty face I could possibly put on. And it was almost like they would ride by and taunt me as they laughed and enjoyed their bonding time together. And I sat in my driveway alone, right? And and they never would invite me um, to come over and experience uh, the joy of riding the moped in the front yard. And so uh, when, when I was reading this text, this again a few uh, weeks ago, I came across this again and I, and I began to see where Jesus had invited Andrew and these other disciples to follow him. And I began to have this question, what if Jesus had never invited us to a relationship with him, right? Because think about that. If, if he had not invited us, there's no way we could have come to him. See, back in this day, um, disciples wouldn't just go up and latch on to a rabbi. The rabbi would see something in them and he would invite them to follow him. He would say, come and, and you can be my disciple. Here's the most encouraging thing about this text is that Jesus invited Andrew. He invited these disciples to come and follow him. But what if he didn't? Where would we be today? If, if your life has been changed, if your life has been touched, if it's been transformed by Jesus, this may be what happens to you because it happens to me. You think about where, where you would be if Christ had not come into your life and it sort of just sends a shiver down your spine, doesn't it? Like, oh my gosh, my life would be so different. I, I know I, I wouldn't have my wife. I wouldn't have my kids. I would have nothing that, that God has put in my life because of the direction I was heading. And yet when Jesus invited me to follow him, when he came to me and extended this invitation to become his disciple, my whole life began to change and things begin to shape. And the reality of it is, is a spiritual impossibility to come into a relationship with Jesus, begin to follow Jesus and your life not change. And we begin to look at this great invitation. If you look at verse 38, listen to what Jesus said again. Jesus turning around, saw them following and asked, what do you want? Basically, this is Jesus like defining the relationship, right? That's basically what he's doing. He's not just like saying like rudely, what do you want? He's asking them, what do you really want? Why are you coming to me? And basically he's saying, is this just a thing looking for an acquaintance? Is this just a thing of you're curious or is this something that you really want to follow me? The thing I've found in church today is that too many people come to Jesus and they treat him as an acquaintance rather than savior and Lord. And so these guys respond by saying to Jesus, rabbi, which means teacher. Where are you staying? And it's easy for us to read that. When I read it, I said, we want to come play Xbox with you. Because it's easy for us to read that and somehow think that maybe they're just wanting to go hang out. But this word for staying is actually the word that's also translated abiding. John, um, the, the apostle John uses this word throughout his gospel because abiding was so important to him. Being in Christ was so important to him. Being in relationship with Jesus was so important to him that he constantly used this word for abiding. Basically what they were staying saying is that Jesus, we want to come and 
stay with you in the sense that we want to abide with you. We want to connect with you. We want to be your disciples. We don't want to just be acquaintances. We realize that, that, that this, that's not what it's about, but we want to abide in your presence. We want to live in your presence. That is the heart of Christianity. That's what it means. It means to be connected to God, to abide with God. And Jesus then says to them, going on into verse 39, come and you will see. How loaded is that, right? Come and you will see. They had no idea what they were about to see. All they knew is that our teacher told us that this is the Lamb of God. Our teacher pointed him out to us and there's something in our hearts that says he is who he says he is. And they begin to follow. And oh, the things they would see over the next three years, right? Miracles. They would have such great hope shattered by a cross and the death of the one they saw to be the Messiah. And yet then they would have that hope return in even greater measure as the resurrection took place. And then on the day of Pentecost, the spirit comes into their life, transforms them forever. And they began to transform the world. How awesome is it that Jesus invited them into that relationship? The thing you got to see and the thing we need to understand is that Jesus invites us to the same relationship. Jesus desires to use you, to use me, to transform the world, to use us the same way he uses these original disciples. And he invites us into this relationship with him. Jesus wasn't interested in them becoming acquaintances. Jesus was interested in them becoming disciples who follow The disciples weren't interested in a casual relationship, which is so common in American Christianity. They were interested in becoming true followers who would go and do whatever Jesus told them to do. And so we see a great invitation here extended by Jesus. Here's the next thing. What happened when they came into a relationship with Christ? Look at what Andrew did. It says in verse 40. That Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed. So one of these disciples is identified. It's Andrew. Verse 41 says, the first thing, the first thing, the first thing, the first thing that Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Once he met Christ, once he realized who Jesus is, what did he do? He went and found somebody else and he brought him to Jesus. Here's another spiritual reality is that when we come to Christ, Jesus changes our heart. The natural overflow of our relationship with Jesus is that we tell other people about the Messiah. We tell other people about the Christ. We tell other people about the one who changed our lives who, who, and we bring them to meet him. We invite them to come into a relationship with Jesus. And so we begin to see this take place over and over and over. Why did Andrew invite them to meet Jesus? Why did Andrew go and get his brother Peter and say, come, I found the Messiah? It's because our heart for Jesus will always equal a heart for others. We can't grow closer to Christ and care less about other people. We can't grow closer to Jesus and love people less. It's a spiritual impossibility that as our worship of Jesus increases, our care and concern for the spiritual well-being of others, um, the physical well-being of others, it just happens. It just increases as we grow closer to him, as our worship of him continues to increase. And here's the thing we could say easily. Well, of course he went and got Peter. It was his brother, right? 
He went and got Peter because it was his brother. But if you go and you read on through the Gospel of John, you see all of these different people that Jesus or that Andrew went and brought to Christ. If you read in John 6, um, verses 8 and 9, uh, you, you look at that and you see that Andrew goes and he brings this little boy who's got a couple of fish and some loaves of bread and, and they need to feed about 5,000 people, right? And, and you see where, where he goes and he brings this little boy and introduces him to Jesus. He's bringing somebody else to Jesus. Why? Because I don't believe that Andrew was as concerned about feeding the people as he was about people encountering the power of Jesus. I believe he knew that as hungry as these people are, we can feed them today, they'll be hungry hungry again tomorrow, but they have a deeper need. And that need is to meet the bread of life, Jesus, who will satisfy their souls forever. So Andrew knew this has got to take place. We've got to get this to Jesus. He's always bringing people to Christ. If you go over in John chapter 12, verse 22, there's another encounter where, where Andrew brings some Gentiles who it says we're coming up for a festival to worship. He brings these Gentile people who are non-Jews to meet Jesus. And he brings them in and, and he begins to introduce them. And, and the funny thing about it is if you read that text, um, they first go to Philip and then Philip goes to Andrew because I guarantee there was some uncertainty in Philip that says, should we take these people to Jesus? And Andrew's like, of course, let's take them to Jesus. And Jesus tells them as he begins to um, tell them about who he is, as he begins to tell the crowd about who he is, he begins to say, it's now time for me to be glorified. And here's the reality of what happens. When we answer the call of Christ to invite people into a relationship with Jesus, there are two things that begin to happen. One, their deepest needs begin to be met as they enter into a relationship with Jesus and they're beginning to be made whole in Christ. And two, Jesus is glorified. Those two things will always happen as people encounter Jesus. That's what Andrew knew. That's why Andrew was so passionate. He knew what he had found in Christ and he wanted to bring others to that same encounter with Jesus. I wonder, it's our heart set on fire by the thought of meeting people meeting Christ. If not, then there's something wrong with our heart and we need to bring it to Jesus and say, Jesus, change my heart. Give me a heart like yours. Jesus cared for the lost. Do we care for them as much as he did? Do we desire to see them come into a relationship with him? I began to think about this and I talked with a couple of people and I said, why would we not invite people into a relationship with Jesus? And I started praying through that, like, why wouldn't we invite people to come to know Christ? Why would we not invite people to an encounter with Jesus? And and, and the first one that I thought of, and, and, and I just believe this is so true, is that we're not in a relationship with him. The first reason we wouldn't have a heart to bring other people to Christ is because we're really not in a relationship with him or we are not really worshiping him. Because if we're not in a relationship with him and he hasn't given us a new heart and we still have this heart of stone as the Bible calls it, it's hardened towards God and we're still rebelling against God, why would we ever even think about bringing somebody to Christ? And yet once he gives us a new heart and his spirit is in us, living in us, there's something in us that says, I want the world to know about Jesus. Some of us, we just aren't worshiping him. Maybe you've met him. Maybe you've said, yeah, I want Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. But is your life worshiping him? Not do you sing a song when you come in on Sunday morning. That's worship, yes. 
But is your life worshiping him? Is your life's devotion Jesus or is he a part of your life? You remember we did an illustration up here one day with a chest of drawers, not to be confused with Chester drawers, right? But a chest of drawers and, and there's, there's all these drawers and we talked about how in each of those drawers we have different things, our recreational life, our hobbies, we have our family, we have um, our money, we have all these different things and we also typically will have that Jesus drawer that we'll pull out on Sundays or maybe we pull it out um, for a small group or maybe for a 10 minute Bible study. But we talked about how Jesus isn't a drawer in that chest, Jesus is the chest, Right? He's the chest. He touches every part. He holds it and he holds it together. Many of us in our lives, there are areas that are falling apart because we're not allowing Jesus to touch that area. Many of us are guarding areas of our life and for part, part of us, that's our dignity. That's our pride. We just want to surrender that to Christ and humble ourselves, recognizing what Jesus did for us on a cross and inviting others to the same encounter we had with him. Are we worshiping with him with our life or is it just a part of our life? Is he just a drawer that we pull out when it's convenient? Or is he our whole life? So some of us won't invite because we aren't in a relationship with him or either we're not worshiping him the second one is that there's just a great fear of rejection right and this is true for everybody really doesn't matter how long you've been talking to people about Jesus you can still get nervous when you're about to share your faith you're about to share your testimony there's something in us that begins to go what if they make fun of me you may be 40 years old and yet there's still something in you that goes what if they reject me what if they get angry What if they do, right? But our fear of rejection oftentimes keeps us from stepping up and inviting people to a relationship with Christ, inviting people to know him, inviting people to have their hearts changed in the same way that we have. But this is the thing that I've seen is that when our hearts are worshiping Jesus, our heart for Jesus becomes greater than a fear of rejection. Our heart for Jesus becomes greater than our worship of our dignity and our reputation. Our heart for Jesus begins to rule and reign over all of those things and we begin to proclaim who he is anyway. In light of the fact that we may be ridiculed, we may be rejected, we may be persecuted, but the Bible says that if we are persecuted for his name, then we can consider ourselves blessed. We fear what other people will say. I I would challenge you to do this. Think about the alternative of not sharing your faith with someone that you have influence with, someone that you care about, someone that's willing to listen to you. Because the risk versus the reward is great. And we need to come to a place of just being willing to step up and invite people to have an encounter with Christ, to share our faith and who we are and what Jesus has done in our lives with them. A third reason that sometimes we just don't share Christ is oftentimes that our agenda, what we think is most important, what, what needs to be done is greater than our heart for others. We're so busy. And sometimes we think if I'm too vocal about my faith, it's going to hurt my future. It's going to hurt my business. It's going to hurt some friendships. It's going to hurt this or that. But Jesus never called us to play it safe. He never called us to be so consumed with the busyness of life that we put our agenda ahead of his. Is it not funny that the time in which we celebrate God coming to earth as the God-man, 
to reveal himself in his heart to us. Is it not funny? You think it's really coincidence that that is the busiest time of the year? Have we not been just hoodwinked by Satan with this time of year? It's the most chaotic time ever. Like, I don't go within a half mile of Walmart during this time of year, right? I just don't, because I'm a preacher and I'm afraid I would not be able to preach anymore if I went to Walmart during Christmas. I would disqualify myself completely, right? It'd be in the paper, local pastor hits cashier. I mean, I'm just telling you, there'd be something that went in the paper about that. But we get so busy. And in this season, we're trying to run around and we're trying to buy all these presents and we're trying to buy all these gifts and we're trying to give all these things that are so temporary to the people we love. But what is the point in giving the people we love some temporary gift if they're simply going to spend eternity separated from God? I don't know if that's somebody whistling because they like like what I said or if it's like a kid. I have no idea what it is. I'm going to pretend they like what I said. But why would we do that? Why would we give people this temporary gift, right? It's here today and gone tomorrow and not share with them the greatest gift ever. You know, for some of us, that family member that we hate the most is probably the one we should ask God to give us a heart to share with, a heart to love. And maybe they're offensive, but do we have any idea how offensive our sin was to God and yet God still came to us? What an amazing thing, right? That God came to us in our offense and in our sin and he offered us this invitation. Our agenda, our, our, uh, our mindset can't come between us and inviting other people to a relationship with Jesus. Another one I thought of, number four, is that this is why we don't invite sometimes. This is why we don't tell sometimes. This is why we don't share sometimes. Is that we think this, they will never say yes. They'll never accept the invitation. You ever thought that? Like, what if I ask them there? Maybe you've asked, maybe you've invited, maybe you try to bring people to church before and they just said no. And, and here's the thing, they'll never say yes. They'll never possibly say yes. And it might be true this time. But here's the thing that we do. We keep asking, we keep inviting. I can't tell you how many years I rejected the gospel, right? And yet Susan, who was my girlfriend, now my wife, She just kept on, kept on in a loving way, nudging me towards Christ. She kept on presenting it, sharing it, living it. And and you know what? Finally, the saying is true that if you hang around the water long enough, you just get wet, right? And so finally, it was like, you know, just fell in. God grabbed my heart. He changed my life. and, and, And I can't tell you how prideful I was at the time that I met Christ. But here's the reality. There is no heart that is hard enough that Jesus can't break it. There is no heart that is so hard that the Holy Spirit can't melt it. You have confidence in this, that God can save anyone. And that's actually the next one. For many of us, the last reason that many times we don't share our faith is we think this, they're too far gone. You ever thought that about somebody? (laughs) I don't even know if Jesus can save them. Right? Some of y'all thought that about me, and that is wrong, right? You know me for a long time, you're like, Jesus won't ever get that guy. Here's the reality. How arrogant is that statement? Jesus can save me, but I don't know if he can truly do a work in their life. 
they're too far gone. What if, what if, because here's the reality, many of us thought that about ourselves. And yet God still, still stepped in and saved us. What if God had looked at us in our mess, in our sin, which we have no, we have no way of understanding how, how grievous, how, how awful our sin is to a holy God. What if he had looked at us and said, he's too far gone. And he never offered the invitation. Where would we be? be lost we still be dead in our sins and yet Christ comes to us and makes us alive in him just think about the people that that we read about in the new testament whose lives were transformed by Christ who would have been looked at in that society in that culture as being too far gone think about Matthew the tax collector we read tax collector and we think IRS and I'm pretty sure that when you think IRS you don't get warm fuzzy feelings but you have no idea how bad these people hated tax collectors because they weren't only collecting taxes they were stealing from their own people right Matthew a a Jewish guy was working for the Roman government who had who had taken over their land right they were under the Roman authority and this guy Matthew is working for these Roman government and taking and stealing money from his own people you think they hated him absolutely they hated his guts and yet Jesus walks by one day and he says hey uh come follow me he extends this invitation Matthew follows him and now we start the new testament with what Matthew Matthew Mark Luke and John right you probably should know that right and so we, we start the New Testament with the book of Matthew written by a guy who was hated by his people. He was too far gone. We look at the life of Zacchaeus, another tax collector. He's also short, right? We know that about Zacchaeus. He was short and he was hated. It's one reason he had to climb a tree. I don't think anybody wanted him to see Jesus, right? He was trying to get up to the front of the line. They're like, no, nobody. You've been stealing money. You go climb that tree if you want to see Jesus. And yet Jesus walks by into the astonishment of everybody there. He looks up in the tree and he says, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house. And you know he had to be like, who's he talking to? Me? And so Zacchaeus comes down and you see this incredible heart change that happens to Zacchaeus because he he immediately says, I've given away, I'm going to give away this half of my possessions and I'll pay back four times anything that I've taken from anybody. This heart of repentance that even goes down to the fact of touching his wallet and saying, I'm going to give it all to you, Jesus, because you've invited me into this relationship and it's changing my life. You think about Saul, who was a persecutor of Christians. He was a murderer. He was there condoning the death of Stephen in the book of Acts, chapter 7. He's he's there and he's actually holding the clothes of those who are stoning Stephen to death. And most Bible scholars will say that he was probably the one who instigated the thing. And yet God comes and he reveals himself to him and this murderer persecutor is transformed so much that he becomes the greatest evangelist that ever lived. Think about this. He evangelized the entire modern world, the, the, the entire known world of his day. What would he have done if he had a website, if he had had Twitter, right? If he had had Facebook, had none of that, and yet he still evangelized the entire world, a murderer and a persecutor who we would have looked at and said, he's too far gone, somebody should just kill him, right? Get him out of the way. And the last one is this, think about yourself. Think about how much God's transformed you. If you're in a relationship with Jesus, this is the thing I can tell you, you're different than you used to be. 
If you're in a relationship with Christ and, and you are really in it, not, I'm not talking about a, a, a show up at church or Sunday school kind of thing, religious activity, but you're in a relationship with Jesus, this is the thing I can promise you, your life looks different now than it used to. And your life has changed because Jesus is changing you. And here's the thing I would say, if Jesus can change me, if Jesus can save me, then he can save anybody. Anybody. Who is it that you need to talk to about a relationship with Christ? Who is it you need to invite to encounter Jesus in your life? Who's far from God that you know? And he's the reality of Jesus to come into their hearts and to change their lives. Last session I want to talk to you about is how how are we going to do this? How do we do that? You know what I mean? It's a, it's, a, it's a difficult thing sometimes to get up the courage, let's be real, to share our faith, to share our, our story, to talk to people about Christ. So how do we do this? And the number one thing I want to tell you is do it with confidence. You're like, well, I don't really know if I can answer their questions. It's okay. You don't have to have all the answers. You can find out answers, right? Google it, right? You can find out answers, but do this with confidence. And here's why you should do it with confidence. Number one is this, because Jesus still saves people. Jesus still saves people. And we see this all the time. I remember the first time I'd grown up, um, not in church, um, and then I started going to church when I was a teenager, but I only went so I could try to hold my girlfriend's hand, and so we, I would go for that reason, and so I really wasn't getting anything out, out of it much because I was putting nothing into it, um, didn't know the Lord, and so i just go sit and hopefully get a hand touch, you know, um, and, and, and as I would sit there, I realized, like, nobody's really coming to know Christ. And so for, for a lot of years, I just thought that's just how it works. And I remember once I got saved and I began to speak in some different places and people would offer an opportunity for me to come and share my testimony. I remember I went over to this um, one particular place. It was a, um, like a juvenile um, uh, delinquency program, okay? And, and I went over and they asked me to come share my testimony. And I shared some stuff and, and we got to the end and I was like, all right, I'm going to ask them if they want to come into a relationship with Jesus. And so I was like, all right, let's do this. All right. If you don't know Christ, you don't have a relationship with him and, and you want to know him, then this is what I'd like to ask you to do. Would you raise your hand if you know that God's calling you into a relationship with him and you do not have one at this moment, but you want to receive him? And it was crazy because like hands went up everywhere and, and they, they raised their hand and they were like wanting this relationship with Jesus and they were asking for a relationship with Jesus. They wanted to receive this invitation that Jesus had given them. And, and, and I'd really, honestly, I had no idea what to do. I didn't know the next step. I was like, I was like, I have no idea what to do next. And I really kind of thought I did something wrong. I was like, what did I do wrong? Because they responded. And what I began to realize, though, is when the gospel is proclaimed, the gospel is still powerful. He still saves people today. In the last four years, we've seen over 300 salvations here alone. That's not counting salvations that are helping, happening other places in our community. Here's the reality of it. Jesus still saves. So share with confidence. Share your testimony. Share your story. Tell people about what God has done. That's one thing no one can argue with is what Jesus has done in your life. 
So the second thing is that Jesus saved you. Share it with confidence because he saved you. He's plenty powerful enough to save them. We sing the song a lot in church that our God is mighty to save. But that, that song comes from Zephaniah 3.17, which the beginning of that verse says, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save, right? Well, isn't that the message of Christmas? God with us, Emmanuel, that Jesus came to us. God is with us. That should give us confidence to know that if I share my story, I share his story and what he's done in my life, if I share this message of Christmas that God desires to abide, to stay with us, then people can come to know Jesus. He's plenty powerful enough to save them. The third one is that Jesus has given you a testimony. He's given you a testimony to share. And you don't have to like articulate it in some like poetic form, right? You don't have to use King James version language to tell people your story. Just share it the way it happened. Tell them about who you were. Tell them how you met him and tell him tell them how he's impacted your life. It's easy. You know your story. Tell them about what Jesus has done and what Jesus continues to do. Here's the thing a lot of us do is we go, well, I don't really have a dramatic story. I've never been to jail, you know, never been drunk. We start thinking about all these things. And, and, but here's the reality of it, guys. It doesn't matter how dramatic your testimony is. Apart from Jesus, you still would have busted hell wide open. Because we're all sinners who have fallen short of the glory of God. And we all deserve to spend eternity separated from God. In his great grace that we celebrate at Christmas, he came to us so he could do for us what we couldn't do on our own. And that's the good news of Jesus. And you have a testimony of what he's done. You have a testimony of what he's doing. And you have a testimony of what he's going to do ultimately. As he spends, as we spend eternity with him. The fourth reason, listen, that you should, you should, you should share with confidence. You should invite with confidence. You should tell people your story with confidence is that Jesus and only Jesus fills the void. That's in our heart. Jesus and only Jesus. Ecclesiastes 3.11 tells us this, that, that God has placed eternity in the hearts of man, right? God has placed eternity in the hearts of man. There's a void that cannot be fulfilled with anything on earth. If there's a season that tells us that and that shows us that, it is the Christmas season. Amen? If you have children, you know exactly what I'm talking about because my kids will get toys galore over the next couple of weeks. And, and you know what the thing is they're going to do? In a, it, within three weeks, they'll be saying, Daddy, I'm bored. Daddy, I'm bored. Well, I know what we can do. Let's pack up all those toys and carry them to somebody else, right? I mean, some of y'all said that, you know, yeah. And, and they come to this place where it's just, it doesn't last. And you know, our story is the same thing. We can put everything we have into all of these temporary things. And yet at the end of the day, the reality of it is for us that nothing fills the void. We are only as satisfied as we are satisfied in Christ because everything else fails to fulfill us. It may fulfill temporarily, but it doesn't last. You may get a new car, but guess what? It gets old. You may get a new house. Guess what? It gets old. 
You may find a new boyfriend, a new girlfriend. You can, you can do all these different things. But at the end of the day, it just gets old. It just doesn't fulfill. You can share your story with confidence because there is a void in every human being's heart if they are not in a relationship with Jesus that needs to be filled. And probably many of us today are feeling that same thing. We feel that void in our life and it's because we're not abiding, we're not staying, we're not walking, we're not following Jesus. And there's probably been in many of your lives times when you felt that satisfaction and you felt that peace, even in bad or or challenging circumstances, but you were walking with Christ and so you felt that in your heart. Some of us have never felt it because we've never come into a relationship with Christ. But there is a void there. It's only filled when we come into a relationship with Jesus because we are created to be in relationship with him. That's why God made us is to know him and enjoy him and fill the earth with his glory. That's what happened on Christmas. God showed his glory to the world. He showed the brilliance of his plan of Christ to the world. You can share with courage. You can be confident. This is God. It's not up to us to save. It's up to us to be obedient. And here's the thing I'll tell you. Every one of you have an opportunity to tell people about Christ. It may be at work. It may be at school. It may be um, at a family gathering over Christmas. You'll probably need to be prayed up for that one. Every one of us have an opportunity. To share. We never want to be a church that just invites people to a relationship with Christ here. We want you doing that in the community. We want you to scatter. We want you to go out and tell people about what Jesus has done and love people and let them see the reality of God's love, just like we're going to do in a few minutes as we go and we carry these, these gifts and, and these meals to people. What an opportunity to invite them to a relationship. But I want to tell you too, you have another opportunity and that opportunity is in two days to invite somebody to come and have an encounter with Jesus. Inviting them to a Christmas Eve service. Just invite them. Just invite them. Do we want to see people come to know Christ outside of the church? Absolutely. Do we want to see people come to know Christ inside uh, uh, in a church service? Absolutely. Which one is it? Yes, right? It's both. And you have an opportunity this week to bring someone who needs to know the love of Christ, who needs to see the gospel, maybe for the first time have their eyes open. For some, it may be the first step where that seed begins to be planted in their heart. For others, it may be a next step that helps them to begin to grow closer to that moment where they say yes to the gospel invitation. For others, listen, December 24th, 2013 at around 6.30 could be the day and the time of salvation for someone you love, someone you're close to, but we've got to come to a place where our worship of Jesus becomes greater than our concern for what others think or a fear of rejection or what if I don't know the answer and we just say, why don't you come with me? What an awesome opportunity for people to encounter Jesus gospel will be proclaimed and I believe this that his word does not return void but it will accomplish everything that God has in mind and I believe this what a great way to celebrate Christmas with people coming to know Christ see here's the thing in this church we don't view Christmas Eve as about us 
We don't view Christmas Eve as a nice time to come in and sing a couple of Christmas carols and then go stuff our face with food and presents, right? We're, we're going to do that. That's obvious. But it's not just about that. It's about an opportunity for people who otherwise may never hear the gospel coming in and hearing the gospel so that they can go out and share it with others. And so I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you to that. I want to challenge you today to listen, if you aren't in a relationship with Jesus and you know you don't have a relationship with him and, and, and you never received that invitation that he extended to Andrew where, where he says, you know, come and follow me, come into a relationship with me, abide in me and I'll abide and you come to me, then today you can do that. You can make that decision. In fact, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to stay down here after this service. And you, if you haven't made that decision, you've never come into a relationship with Jesus, then today's your day. God's knocking on your heart. If God's drawing you to himself, he's pulling you know in your heart, God's doing something. You say, I want to receive Christ. I'm going to be here. And I'm going to I'll be here to walk with you, pray with you, introduce you to the church, the body of Christ, the people. We want to invite you to that relationship as Jesus has invited you. Today, if you need prayer, we're going to have prayer people over here. I always say this, but my left, your right, I say that in my sleep. You can come over here and there'll be people here to pray with you, right? Right by these double doors over here. We'd love to love on you. We don't want to just go out in the community. We want to take care of the community of believers that's here today. So I'm going to pray. When we're dismissed, today you need to receive Christ for the first time. Here's your invitation. You come and talk to me and we'll pray. We'll help you take your next steps. For those of you who may need prayer today for something, we've got prayer people over here. We've got men, we've got women too who, who can pray with you. We don't want to make it awkward. We want to make it helpful and we want to see God move in your heart. So let's pray. Then I believe Joey Fennell's going to come out and he's going to share some directions about service day. But when everybody else goes out the back, if you today need to receive the invitation of Jesus in your life, you come to me, you need prayer. Let's go out these double doors over here and let's... Uh, Let's walk through life together. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity we have before us to share your love and your heart and your grace with people. God, give us courage. God, give us boldness. Shake us at the core of our being. Shake us at our, um, God, just at the very center of who we are and give us courage to move forward with your grace and with your power, with your love and with your might. Lord, we love you and we praise you for who you are, for what you've done, for coming to us in this, at Christmas night. It's your birth. We thank you that you are with us. And that God, for those who have come to you and are in a relationship with you, will never be separated from you. That you'll never leave us nor forsake us. We give you praise and thanks. Touch the hearts of those that we go to serve this morning. And may their hearts be open to receive you, not just food or presents, but the greatest gift, Jesus. We thank you for all you do. In the powerful name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen.